It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football guru, Chris Dell. You guys can find Chris on Twitter as well at Mad Journalist. That's M A D D Journalist on Twitter. You can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Chris, we were just talking. You're like, wait a minute, I'm not on pregame. I said, dude, you're going to have to go ahead and post in the forums. I said, anything that you post, just throw that shit in pregame.com, throw it in the forums so all those guys can get stuff too. Because, you know, we are pregame through and through. At least I am and the Hitman and Uncle Dave. So, you know, if you guys are with me, you know, you're with pregame. So that is the way that it is. But with that said, you guys can get us on pregame and you can get us on Twitter, as I mentioned. Now, this podcast, we're going to go through wide receivers. We already did the quarterbacks, if you guys probably have known. And we've already done the running backs, as you guys probably already have known. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to attack some buy and sell wide receivers. We'll do some rapid fire. Chris is going to go through, you know, the guys that he's really looking at going ahead and buying. He's going to go in through and tell you the guys that he's fading. And then I'm just going to throw a bunch of guys at him and say, you know, talk to me about this guy. Talk to me about that guy. You know, because I have my own thoughts on a lot of these guys. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm more of a DFS guy. He's, you know, long-term and DFS guy. So, uh, we're going to just go rip and run through. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and let you start out with the guy. I see your list here, so uh, it's not that I you know, agree or disagree with your first guy, but I kind of need you to talk me into this one, and you have a buy sign here right now on DJ Moore. He's going to be in a new offense or be a new quarterback there, a new coach, so you're going to you're gonna have to go ahead and sell me hard on DJ Moore and why I should be buying him this upcoming season. Well, all the things you just mentioned are all positives. We got a head coach upgrade in terms of offensive creativity and just kind of letting things loose and going from Ron Rivera, kind of straight edge, hard line, defensive nose coach, to Matt Rule, right? The kind of possibilities are endless right now with what Matt Rule can do, not to mention the new offensive coordinator there and kind of the shiny new toy in Joe Brady coming from LSU, passing game coordinator there. You saw the records they broke last season in college football. And going from probably the most atrocious quarterback play in all the league last year and Kyle Allen, who his deep ball accuracy and just ability to hit receivers more than 15 yards down the field, which is absolutely terrible. I mean, we could bring up stats and talk about them all day, but you watch the games, you saw the numbers, and, and it was just that bad. And DJ Moore was still able to break through despite that. You look at the second half of last season, a sample size uh, I like to bring up a lot. I don't like to look at the full season. I like to look at what you did in the second half of the year. And we're talking about weeks nine through 16. Again, DJ Moore was a wide receiver for in fantasy points per game in PPR scoring. And DJ Moore is a guy who, you know, he he's a guy that he offers upside, but he also offers that reliability and consistency. And, and he's the type of guy who, look, he, he's going to get those downfield threats. He's going to play in the slot. He's going to move around. He's going to get a couple carries out of the backfield on, on jet sweeps and things like that. And you bring Teddy Bridgewater into that offense, and the upside goes up. The floor goes up. He's the type of guy that that he's going to be trailing. The Carolina Panthers, their implied team total, seasonal win total, what hovering between four or five wins right now, one of the lowest in the NFL, if not the lowest, maybe outside the Jaguars. And, and DJ Moore is going to get the targets. He's, he's going to get continual work in the passing game when they're trailing with these negative game scripts. And for all these reasons, I love DJ Moore. His, his yards per route run, you know, he, he's a guy that can stretch the field. He can play intermediate routes. He can play, uh, you know, short field slot routes. 
And, uh, and there's just too much to like, man. He, he did it last year with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He's got a, a serviceable quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. He's got the upside in the passing game with the new offensive coordinator there. So for all those reasons combined, I'm really high on DJ Moore. I've got him at wide receiver four right now. Consensus has him at wide receiver 11. So I'm seven spots higher than consensus. I'm taking him right after Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and Julio Jones goes off the board. I'm taking DJ Moore without question. I'm taking him over Tyree Kill. I'm taking him over any of the other guys in that tier. And, and, and it's a very talented tier. We're talking about guys like Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, A.J. Brown, Adam Thielen, Juju, et cetera, et cetera. I like DJ Moore. He's got the upside. Uh, he's, he's got the environment and situation to just rack up junk time stats, rack, rack up stats from you know every single week, no matter what game that they're in. You know, when I, when I look at Bridgewater – one of the things that I noticed with him, and this is something that I need that, that I, I I just have to see before I take, you know, a, a wide receiver is, you know, the quarterback that, that played with him, um, you know, the year before, obviously he's gone now. So now you got a new guy coming in, but what did the new guy do? Like, what was his, you know, what, what, what are his trends? You know, the, the, did Bridgewater love throwing to the tight end or did he love throwing to, you know, the running back? And it really wasn't the case with Bridgewater. You know, he he knew that Thomas was the man on that team. And I believe Thomas was the leading receiver in probably like six out of seven games that Bridgewater, you know, was the quarterback and started. So that's a really, really positive sign that he's looking for the best player on the team. And uh, obviously, you know, Michael Thomas is amazing. I don't know if DJ Moore has that type of talent, but let's just say, you know, DJ Moore is the number one. And I'm not sure about Samuel. You know, I think you still have to think about relationships with, you know, quarterback wide receiver. And maybe Samuel is a guy that that just fits Teddy more. I don't know. You know, it's something that we have to think about. And, you know, he has tight end there, uh, a big tight end target in, in New Orleans for him. You know, maybe maybe that was something that, that he was comfortable with. I don't know. I think this is a, this is a situation where we're going we're gonna to suffer because we're not going to have preseason we're going to have to go ahead and we're going to have to deep dive you know into anything that we can find from the local journalists with this and if, if it turns out to where you know it, it, there's a lot of chatter of Bridgewater more Bridgewater more then maybe you go ahead and you, and you take a shot with them and maybe you see you know maybe you end up uh, you know benefiting in some way shape or form but um, I wouldn't be against not buying them and I wouldn't be against you know going ahead and selling them I think a sell would be a little bit harder uh, just because I know that Bridgewater knows you know, that, that if you get the best player of the ball, um, eventually they're going to make things happen. And as you mentioned, you know, with the new coach coming in, things like that, you know, I, I mean, Moore was supposed to be taken high last year. It didn't work out the way it was supposed to um, for that team and for Moore last year. So uh, I can understand a lot of people's optimism on him this year. You know, I would probably end up taking Moore, you know, before before Cooper, before Cup. Um, you know, there, there's a couple guys I would even consider, you know, I would consider taking him in front of but um, I would probably have more right now I didn't actually get done with all my wide receiver stuff but I would probably have him right at the top 10 if not within like you know the top six so he's probably going to fall like right in that six to ten area because if if Bridgewater loves this guy and this new offense ends up panning out um, you might see a, a monster season out of more that's kind of what I think with him. And, and just real quick, Sleeve, I just want to jump in there because and the one thing I want to throw in is, is we talked about the draft, which which is data that we do have despite a li- limited news coming out of training camps here in the preseason, is that the average age of Carolina's projected defensive stars this year 
is less than 23 and a half years old. So we're talking about serious candidate here to be the NFL's worst defense in yards per play allowed. So the Carolina Panthers are going to be forced into just chucking it every single game. And you're talking about a guy in DJ Moore. I misspoke about being fourth in fantasy points per game in the second half of last season. He was fourth in targets. And you're talking about fourth behind only Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, who was dealing with an injured Odell Beckham and getting all the targets there from Baker, and Devontae Adams. And next was DJ Moore. So give me the targets. Give me a better quarterback. Give me better game environments with negative game scripts and more creative play calling and coaching moving from Ron Rivera to Matt Rule and Joe Brady. And for those reasons, I think he can ascend and stay within that top five in targets and turn that into top five production going from a Kyle Allen to a Teddy Bridgewater. Why don't we jump over from uh, the NFC South? Let's jump over to the AFC South here. And let's talk about the Titans and one of the guys that you have highlighted here. You have the buy sign on A.J. Brown. I have no problem with this whatsoever. We know that Henry is not going to end up catching a bunch of balls out of the backfield. He's not really going to be in the passing game. A.J. Brown, to me, you know, is a guy that he is – I don't want to say anything crazy, but he has that, that Deshaun Jackson, Antonio Brown type of game where he could either be either or. I think he could be either player. And when you have a guy that has that type of talent – and you have a running back who's not going to suck up a bunch of, you know, crappy balls. And, and we know that Brown has the speed. He he can, you know, he could be a real deep threat. You know, all you have to do is get that ball, you know, two, three times the game. And it's like, whoa, guy's got 123 yards and a touchdown. Well, you're, you're good. But what if he goes out and, and, and he's like their number one, where it's like we're looking at this guy, you know, 10, 12 times a game where he turns into, you know, getting volume like a Keenan Allen or a Julio or a Thomas. You have a guy that that could just be, that could blow the top off your off your fantasy league each and every week. So, um, I I don't think there's a whole lot that he needs to worry about. Corey Davis, you know, over the years is he's a guy that I was super high on. I mean, when he came out of Western Michigan, I absolutely loved Davis. I loved the pickup, but you know, I I think it was a, a combination of Mariota and a combination of Tannehill where he didn't become their their number one. And I think AJ Brown last year was like. This is the guy. This is the guy that, that Tannehill likes, and they're going to use him. So for me, I would buy Brown, no matter really what you say right now. But I think Brown would be it would be a clear buy for me. I'm not sure exactly where I would put him, but he would probably be you know right around like my top 15. Yeah, and and he's slightly outside the top 15 in the ECR expert consensus rankings, which has him at wide receiver 18. And again, that's the average of fantasy analysts from pretty much every sports media company that that's relevant that's out there right now. We've got him here, betting predators. We've, we've got him at wide receiver eight. I'm very high on AJ Brown. I got him 10 spots higher than consensus. That's actually higher than consensus on any of the three buy guys. We're going to be talking here on this podcast and AJ Brown. I mean, the only thing that you could throw shade on with AJ Brown is like, Oh, what if Ryan Tannehill only throws 10 passes a game? right? Because A.J. Brown, the player, could easily be the most talented wide receiver in the NFL just coming into year two alone. And and we don't want to talk about recency bias too much because in the fantasy playoffs last year, if you had A.J. Brown in your team, you smashed. You smashed DFS. You smashed your fantasy playoffs. You probably won a championship. He was third in fantasy points per game from weeks 14 to 16, averaging 25 PPR points per game, only behind Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. 
So AJ Brown's a guy that I'm going to be super bullish on because defenses are only going to try to stack the box to stop Derrick Henry. And that's going to leave AJ Brown wide open one-on-one down the field. And you know, Tannehill's built that trust with him now more so than he, when he was a rookie last year. So he has that continuity again, coming into his second year in the offense. I, I just love all things about AJ Brown. His yards after the catch is just insane. And he's not even getting those screens and dump off passes that other receivers are getting. So if you start to get a little bit creative and throw those things into the mix for him, those missed tackles, uh, it's, it's just um, it, it's just something to see. He, he's a human highlight reel, and, and I just want him to get a little bit more tar- targets, and I'm totally happy with him being my wide receiver one or a very high wide receiver two this season. You know, one of the things we talked about when we talked about the running backs, we talked about Henry, and one of the things I brought up is, you know, that they might not want to use him a whole hell of a lot early in the season because they want him fresh, you know, for later on in the year where – Last year, I mean, he was just bulldozing people over. So it's like maybe they send him out there and he's more of a decoy. Maybe you still get them to stack the box, you know, against that Titans team, thinking, you know, that Henry's out there, he's going to get the ball, and maybe they don't. Maybe it's just uh, that might be a a real nasty play-action pass offense where, you know, Brown is just sitting out there one-on-one, as you said, more times than than even, you know, that they would even – more times than most people would expect. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if – you know, if Henry's out there and it's like, hey, look, dude, you don't have to do a whole lot. You know, throw a couple blocks here, throw a couple blocks there. You know, we're going to save, you know, the running reps for when we really need them. But we're going to use you as a decoy. And after last year, I mean, if you see that guy on the field, say in the backfield, you're like, what are the odds of guys probably getting the ball? 50-50, right? Well, you know, if it's 30-70 now and the defense is biting and stacking. So, you know, it could turn into a, a pretty nasty situation, you know, trying to go ahead and guard A.J. Brown. I mean, it could be could be tough. So I like that one. I'm glad we talked about him. That was uh, that was certainly one that I like. I, you got another guy here, another buy that I actually like a lot. This guy made a lot of noise, DJ Chark. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and just tell me what you think about him because I got, I got quite a bit of thoughts about DJ Chark this year. Yeah, and, and you know I've got A.J. Brown and DJ Chark ahead of big-name guys like DeAndre Hopkins. I've got them both ahead of Chris Godwin, ahead of Mike Evans, ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you know, those these are kind of the household names who were being drafted at the high end of fantasy drafts last season. And, and by all means, they're still elite receivers. I, I think you could actually argue Odell Beckham. I don't know how elite he is dealing with that sports hernia injury. And that's a little fishy there. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, DJ Shark, man, you, you talk about what he did as a rookie last season. And and he had the volume that A.J. Brown didn't have. And the only thing that really held him back was when Minshew was benched in favor of Nick Foles. And you saw DJ Shark's uh, uh, volume and, and performance go down because I think Nick Foles was more inclined to rely on some of the more veteran pass catchers in that offense. But there was a clear rapport between Gardner Minshew and DJ Shark, and by all indications, we're going to be faced with nothing but negative game scripts, which is going to be a whole lot of junk time passing. You see the narrative continue from position to position when we talk about fantasy guys we're buying is guys we know that are going to be in situations where their team is going to be passing a whole hell of a lot every single week. That's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's the type of guy who can break the top off a of defense and he can also work the underneath routes. And, and like I said, man, I, I've got DJ Shark right up there with A.J. Brown. I've got him a few spots lower. Overall right now, I've got DJ Shark 
wide receiver number 12. That's almost 10 spots ahead of ECR, which has him at wide receiver 21. So to me, DJ Shark can be your first wide receiver off the board. Uh, and most people are taking him as second best receiver off the board. So so I, you know, to me, it's a clear difference. He's a cut above a lot of those second tier guys. Like, a, you know, you're talking about your Adam Thielens, you know, who I still think has a lot of upside, but you know, I would consider taking a DJ Shark over Thielen because of the explosiveness and because of the situation. Uh, I would consider taking DJ Shark over Amari Cooper over Juju. I mean, th- these are guys I have them right in that same tier with towards the top of tier four and the back of tier three. So I really like DJ Shark a lot, and, and, and I'm very comfortable having him at the wide receiver 12 overall. You know, one of the things that we talked about when we talked about the running backs was we didn't think Fournette, you know, he was going to get any volume, you know, as far as a pass catcher. And, you know, obviously he he probably won't. But I don't think that there really is like a, a, a standalone number two on this team to where it's like, OK, this is going to be our number two guy. Now you got Conley there. I mean, Westbrook got his his time last year. But I think if you're looking for a guy who is going to just get he's going to get the uh He's going to get the targets, and I, I think Shark will definitely get the targets this year. I could see him probably being anywhere from eight to double digits almost every single game. And if I could just get that from a guy who's going to, you know, be in a situation where, you know, that they're going to be forced to throw the ball, th- that's a guy that I want. You know, I, I love the garbage time guys who are just out there. And it's like, well, who am I going to throw the ball to? Oh, we'll just whip it over here to him, you know, whip it over here to him. Same old thing. And then you got, you know, defenses are, you know, it's not like they're even playing. So you got a guy who's going to get a ton of targets because it's just, it's an easy play to call. You know where he's going to be. You got your timing down. And it just makes for, you know, it makes for a fun Sunday afternoon when you have a guy like like a shark who I think will, you know, end up, he's going to end up with, with a ton of targets this year. I wouldn't be shocked if. You know, he's probably top five in targets at the end of the year. I would not be surprised by that. Um, I'm, I'm buying him. You know, he, he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people just aren't talking about. But, you know, this is different from, from you know, betting sports. This is more, you know, we're, we're just talking fantasy. We're talking players. And if you don't have your eye on, on Shark right now, I, I think you're, you know, you're probably doing something wrong. Just And just one last note on Shark, and you bring up a lot of good points there, is that, you know, he kind of bucks the trend of me looking at the second half of last season and what have you done for me lately, because that's going to be more of an indicator of what you're going to do to start the season this year. Uh, DJ Shark was a wide receiver seven in the first half of last year, literally in his first eight games as a starting wide receiver in this league. He, he was a top seven fantasy wide receiver, but his production fell off severely in the second half of the season. But there was a lot of turmoil going on, the back and forth between Minshew and Foles. I think Minshew lost his confidence. They dealt with a lot of turmoil with the offensive line being you know, very, very putrid towards the end of the season. But I think that they have that continuity set between you know the head coach is still there, obviously. You've still got Minshew there. You pretty much know Minshew's going to be there no matter what. Maybe they're tanking for Trevor, whatever they're trying to do. Um, I'm going to buy back into that connection that they showed between weeks one through eight last year and kind of kind of ignore the, a little bit of a fall off that Shark had in the second half because you see the talent there on the field and, and you want to buy in. And he's one of those you know second, third-year breakout guys. I think he fits that, the, the mold right there with his athleticism, his hands, and kind of just everything he brings with his skill set. All right, great conversation there about DJ Shark. Why don't we jump over to a guy you're going to fade now. Normally everybody would just think you were absolutely crazy, but – you're going to go ahead and you're probably looking at fading DeAndre Hopkins. 
like the situation is murky. And when the situation's murky, I tend to go ahead and back away. Like I know the AJ Brown situation. I mean, that, that seems pretty crystal clear to me and it seems pretty crystal clear to you. Same thing with DJ Moore and Chark, the guys that we're buying. But do you feel like like the Hopkins situation is murky? I know you're not I know you're not fading his talent. I know that. But you're more or less fading the situation, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's what we're doing for for pretty much you know that's what fantasy is. And in, in essence, I I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a lot of what your your sports handicapping and betting is is you're not necessarily fading or buying the talent. In a lot of cases, you're you're, you're either fading or buying the opportunity and the situation. And we're not, no one's denying DeAndre Hopkins talent. And you, you could argue, I'm not going to, if you're, if you're going to come here and say DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league, he's better than Michael Thomas. He's better than Devontae Adams. I'd be like, all right, you know, I respect that opinion. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to argue with that. It's apples and oranges here. But what I am going to say, and, and it's simple sleeping. And you said it is that it's the new situation in a COVID-19 off season. You already want to devalue a guy going to a new team because you've seen the drop off in statistical output when that happens, no matter who it is. And now you're talking about with the added uh, lack of communication, the lack of reps, and, and that's all going to affect DeAndre Hopkins. Not to mention, look, you could say you could look at it from uh, you know outside view and say, oh, well, he's going to the air raid offense. They're going to be throwing a ton. They're going to he's going to get all the targets and all this. But think about it. Cliff Kingsbury loves running 10 personnel. He, he loves throwing four receivers on the field at the same time. I think they did it at the highest rate in the NFL last season. So Kyler Murray has a lot of options in that passing game. And while DeAndre Hopkins is clear cut above the rest in terms of talent between those guys, like a Fitzgerald, like a Christian Kirk, like a Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, it's just too many mouths to feed in the scheme that they run and they still like to run the ball too. So all those reasons there, I've got him as my wide receiver 13. Look, I think he's a borderline number one receiver in fantasy this year, but consensus has him at wide receiver five, and, and that's just way too rich for my blood. That's eight spots lower than where I have him, and he's simply just not going to fall to you if you've got him at wide receiver and wide receiver 13. So as much as I love him, I'm probably not going to have him on any of my teams this year. I think another reason why we probably want to go ahead and probably downgrade Hopkins is he's going to end up with, with some tough assignments this year. I mean, you got San Francisco. We know what their secondary is going to do. And then you have a guy like Jamal Adams who ships over to Seattle two games that season. And then you have guys like Jalen Ramsey who more than likely it's going to be one-on-one to him. So, I mean, you're looking at six games throughout the season where – you know, you're not going to draw, uh, you know, you're not going to end up with an easy draw like he had, you know, going up against the teams when he was in the AFC South. So, you know, I think that those are things that you, you certainly have to consider. The fact that we have COVID, the fact that it is a little bit of a murky situation with, you know, you don't know exactly, you know, I mean, we knew when he was in Houston what his target share was going to be like. We knew that, but we don't know that here. And I think that, you know, the combination of things is, you know, maybe if Hopkins falls down to you at a certain number, then that's when you actually just say he's too good to take him. It's kind of like taking a guy in the draft where, you know, you got to take the best guy off the board. But I think if you feel in any way, shape or form that you might be reaching a little bit for Hopkins, which sounds crazy, then maybe you just go ahead and back away from him. You you just put the cherry on top, man, for what I said. And, and you brought up the best point of all. And, and, and it's something that I didn't really think about too much is, is that the division he's in and that you know, six of his matchups are going to be twice against the Niners defense, 
twice against potentially shadow coverage from Jalen Ramsey, and then twice twice against Jamal Adams. I mean, he's, Jamal Adams isn't going to shadow cover DeAndre Hopkins, but he's going to be there, and that's just that's just a whole other reason to knock him down a few spots. And and it, it's just you don't don't buy up for DeAndre Hopkins. He's going way too high it, for all the reasons I said, and, and specifically for that reason you just brought up right there. It's a great point. And I'm sure that we can go ahead and use him in DFS on a week where, you know, it's, you know, it's everybody's been fading him and he hasn't been really doing a whole hell of a lot. But there is going to be a week where, you know, you and I are just like, yep, that now's the time to grab him because obviously, you know, we know when he's going to have value. It's probably not going to be, you know, for a little while, but I'm sure, you know, we'll both have him in our DFS lineups at some point during the season and we'll be able to go ahead and, and pick that right weekend. Now, here's a guy that that actually I got talked out of from the hitman. I was high on Cooper Cup going into the season. I actually liked his receiving yards over, and I bet it. And then the hitman talked to me on a pod, and we were going back and forth. And I think a couple of the guys were with me. A couple of the guys were against me. And then I actually I, I do a recording you know, with the hitman each and every week for RJ Bell's dream preview that you guys can get over at pregame.com or you can just, you know, search any podcast player for RJ Bell and you'll find the dream preview. And the hitman had, had mentioned that he liked cup under. So I'm like, all right, the hitman would tell me straight up, you know, and he, and he did on our podcast. And then he comes out with that as one of his, you know, season props that he really liked. So I went ahead and I just went and I dumped, I dumped my cup bet. So now you have him as a fade. So now I feel really good. I'm glad I dumped it when I did, because if, if not, I would certainly have to dump it now. I'm not going to go against you, who's a fantasy guy, and the hitman, who is probably one of the best prop players you know, in the industry. I mean, the dude just – he kills it. And it's just I'm going against the grain, and you don't get any style points for going against people who know what they're talking about. It was clear to me at the time that my handicap might have been wrong, but it's clear to me now that, that my handicap was completely wrong. So you have a fade right now on Cooper Cup. Why don't you tell me why I was completely wrong and, and all that good stuff? I mean, Sleepy, I, I don't even know if fade is the right word because, like, we're talking like, oh, I got this guy seven spots higher. I've got this guy, you know, nine spots lower. Okay, yeah. like And look, man, it, I'm going to get some people coming after me on this one. I, I've got – Cooper Cup, 27 spots lower than consensus right now, man. I Cooper Cup's my wide receiver, 43. Consensus has him at wide receiver, 16. Okay. I, I got I got bashed by a few trolls, maybe you can call them, on Twitter. When uh, I saw, uh, I think one of the guys on CBS, respectable fantasy analyst, posted something about, oh, you know, do you like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods more for this season? And look, man, like, you just saw the, the last month of the season, the, the Rams had to do something last year to turn it around because their offense was absolutely dreadful. And what they did was Sean McVay adapted and started playing 12 personnel. And he started playing two tight end sets. And you saw Higby become the best fantasy tight end in all of football, albeit in a small sample size in those last six weeks of the season or five weeks of the season where, look, you know, the Rams were three and two. And, you know, they looked better than they did all season in that five-game sample size. And that's not something that Sean McVay is going to go away from. They've got Gerald Everett. They've got Tyler Higby. And all those, all that goes to say is that Cooper Cup wasn't even seeing the field 
for more than 60% of snaps in three out of their last four games. I was watching those games. I had Cooper Cup on my main home league fantasy team. And watching a game where you're like, where is my guy? He's literally standing on the sidelines. He's not even getting on the field. So, you you know, you look at the season-long statistics on Cooper Cup, and they're going to look solid. You look at what he did the year before. He's been a, a perennial top 10 receiver for the last couple seasons. But the only thing that held him afloat in the last five weeks of last year, he scored a touchdown in five games straight, Sleepy. But his yardage totals, 65, 45, 41, 31. You cannot count on receivers catching touchdowns week in and week out. That's a fluky statistic. You have to rely on snap count, on volume, and then on results, which you're talking about with catches and yardage. And Cooper Cup saw the field for 28% of snaps in week 14. The next week he was on the field because they were getting blown out by Dallas. They lost 44-21. to But then the next two weeks, in close games where they were trying to make the playoffs, he saw 61% of the snaps. So I am not taking a wide receiver who's seen 60% of the snaps. Every 10 snaps, he's only on the field for barely more than half of them. So no way, Cooper Cup. I don't care if she's done before. I think he was more of a glorified, schemed slot receiver that Sean McVay really made the most of. But when you're talking about true wide receiver talent, you're talking about guys like a Robert Woods. You're talking about guys like Brandon Cooks before he had all the concussions. You're talking about guys like that who they really had the talent where Cooper Cup was more of a product of fitting into that scheme. So sorry to go on a long rant there, but I've never been more low on a guy 27 spots lower. I might even drop him lower than I have him now. I am not taking Cooper Cup anywhere unless you're drafting a roster with like 20 plus uh, spots on your bench and on your starting lineup then maybe you take him super late, but he's not going to go that late. That's my whole point. I'm fading Cooper Cup more than any player in fantasy this season. You know, I'm thinking about the the Rams overall, and I'm just, like you get a guy like Cam Akers who they draft and they bring him in. He, he's, he's listed as the starter. So when you get a guy who's a rookie who comes in and plays before a guy that actually had snaps in Henderson, and, and Henderson played quite a bit. Now, this is going to kind of bang a little bit on your Higby, which I know you, you like Higby, and I don't have a problem with Higby. But the fact that Akers is going to start, it tells me that he fits into exactly what McVeigh is trying to do, and that's you do exactly what Todd Gurley did. I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of people are jumping on Higby, thinking he's going to duplicate exactly what he did at the end of the year. But take a look at, at the Rams at the end of the year. There was no Gurley out there you know, doing normal Todd Gurley things in that Rams offense. So I think if you bring Akers in, that there's a chance that they could, you know, reinvent and recreate what they wanted to do with Gurley with Akers. And if that's the case, then Higby's probably going to end up suffering. So I'm not sure necessarily what to do, you know, with, with, with those two guys, with those two players in Higby and Akers. But I could completely understand, you know, your, your, your thoughts with Cup. I mean, Woods is probably the true number one. But I always, you know, I, I just thought that, I thought that Goff just had this relationship with Cup where, you know, it was kind of like he was like the bailout. He is sleepy, and and you're spot on with that because he was the bailout, and that's why you saw that Cooper Cup finished the season with with a touchdown in five straight games. But like I said, you can't rely on a guy with with catching a touchdown in every single game. It's just not something 
you can rely that's the stat you cannot rely on touchdowns regress but snap counts don't regress targets yards don't regress Th- those are the sticky statistics you've got to be looking at with these receivers and look like you said look this this offensive line is a huge reason why they can't do what they they can't run the spread offense from before because they don't have a girly they don't they they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league they've got to run 12 personnel they've got to keep two tight ends on the field Higby's going to be blocking. Everett's going to be blocking. And you know what? The two wide receivers they have on the field in 12 personnel, they're going to be blocking. And Cooper Cup is not a blocking receiver, which is why Josh Reynolds was playing ahead of him, ahead of him as a receiver when they went to 12 personnel. So I'm sorry, but the scheme has changed. Sean McVay has had to adapt. And kudos to him for not continually getting Jared Goff sacked into the dirt with no blocking help ahead of him. So they've had to deal with – their situation, which is no money to sign offensive linemen, they're totally capped out. They, they have some of the worst contracts in football, and all that goes to say is Cooper Cup does not fit into the new-look Los Angeles Rams. He's still I, – I agree with you. Goff and him do have that connection, but are they going to continue to to connect for one touchdown every single game? I cannot buy into that right there. You know, as you're talking, it makes sense that he's more of a – He's going to be more of a feaster famine. He's going to be a guy that you're going to try to gamble on. And he's going to be more of a guy. And we've seen this, you know, over the years that we've, you know, done fantasy is there's a guy that you're going to gamble on, you know, almost every weekend if you have multiple lineups. And it's like, okay, you know, I I can fit him in and maybe you're getting him for the right price and maybe you're getting him for the right situation. And, you know, and and you are taking a gamble in a sense. I could see him fitting in into that, you know, type of, type of guy. I mean, I could probably, you know, rattle off 30 different wide receivers that that fit that description, you know, not each and every week, but quite often. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I bailed on that one. I'm glad I talked to you and the Hitman, and I'm glad I talked to you and the Hitman. So I feel pretty good with that one. Let's jump over to another fade here that you have. I was a bit surprised at this one because this is a guy that, that I've just been away from for a number of years now, and that's T.Y. Hilton. I'm going to let you talk about Hilton. Obviously, Rivers is going to be there. And this team has, you know, they have Frank Reich as their, as their head coach. So we'll, we'll see exactly what happens and how everything shakes out. I think it's a little bit of a negative here that Hilton, you know, has lost Andrew Luck. And then you have a guy like Rivers coming in. I think the one thing that concerns me here with Hilton is we know that, that Rivers, like, he loved Keenan Allen. That guy got 15 targets a game. I mean, were there, were there, I mean, how many other guys in the NFL were getting as many targets as Keenan Allen? If Rivers can find that guy that he feels comfortable with that has a Keenan Allen type of game, that's going to be the guy that you want. And it doesn't, because he's not going to be throwing the ball, I don't think, you know, launching bombs down the field. I'm not sure Rivers has, you know, that type of an arm in a new offense. So I would think, you know, the intermediate guy is going to be the guy that, that feasts in this offense. So, I'm just talking through this right now because I had a, a list of notes here. But tell me what, tell me why you're fading Hilton, and and maybe I can go ahead and put some uh, some cherries and whipped cream on top. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, and look, Philip Rivers I think is an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I, how much of an upgrade? I'm not really sure. The Colts have one of the you could say they have the best offensive line in the league, so. It's going to be a run-centric offense, right? I mean, Marlon Mack is still a tar- talented back in that backfield. Obviously, they got J- Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. They're going to feature him heavily. They- they've got a solid defense, so they don't need to be slinging the ball around. So I, I think that you- 
the you know the offense the high passing volume offenses of Andrew Luck it, you know those aren't the, the, those aren't going to happen anymore in Indianapolis and, and you 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 think the fact in that T Y Hilton is is uh, he's been banged up a lot and he's he's getting up there you know he's he's not a, he's not an old receiver but he's not a young receiver anymore either and he's got a lot of young young receivers coming into that offense look Paris Campbell they spent a high draft pick on in 2019. He was pretty much off the field all last season. I think he injured his wrist in like week two or three or really early in the season, was pretty much out for the whole year. And he profiles to be more of that slot gadgety type of receiver that could could be that could bode well for those slant routes that Phillip Rivers likes to throw. And then you have the big body rookie and Michael Pittman coming into the offense. So you talk about two guys that could kind of, you know, mirror maybe half of what Keenan Allen you know, offered in Los Angeles with the Chargers with Phillip Rivers. So I think at best, T.Y. Hilton is going to be one of three or four guys getting targets from Phillip Rivers in a low-volume passing offense. So I, I'm hoping he bounces back because he's been kind of hobbled and too off, too off the field these last couple of years. But I've got him at wide receiver 44. I think he's more of a wide receiver four. And uh, ECR has him at wide receiver 26, kind of a borderline wide receiver two. So that's kind of the discrepancy for me. I've got him one spot behind Cooper Cup. I don't think these are guys that you want to start. Maybe you want to stash them on your bench. Maybe they can get back to their glory days, so to speak. But um, kind of in the same boat as T.Y. Hilton as I am with Cooper Cup. The one thing I'll say about Hilton, he's going to play more. Um, but I, like I said, the, 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 it's, it's going to be a low-volume passing game. He's got a lot of competition for targets. He's not the only main guy anymore. And I'm not too confident in Phillip Rivers' arm. I, I saw a lot of Chargers games last year in it. You know, even when he was protected and throwing the ball downfield, that that arm did not look very good. So I'm a little worried about the downfield threat that T.Y. Hilton offers. And can Phillip Rivers even take advantage of that if he wants to? Well, I will say one thing, you know, one of the guys that I'm certainly looking at in that indie offense, and it is a very murky offense. I think one of the guys that you could probably go ahead and probably maybe pick up as one of your tight ends is probably Jack Doyle. I think I'll be kind of high on him where, you know, with all his years and with, you know, throwing the ball to Gates, I just think that Rivers are going to be relying on tight ends a lot. And we'll talk a little bit about tight ends when we get to the the tight ends, the defense, and the kickers. But I want to keep going here with some wide receivers. Now, you had mentioned that you had a couple guys that, you know, we already talked about that are going to be in front of Godwin and in front of Evans. I, I'm not buying Chris Godwin at all. There's just – I'm not. There, I can't do it with – Gronk going into that offense and then you have you know two other tight ends you have a guy like Evans like how do you buy any of those guys so I'll just throw it to you on Godwin and Evans like tell me why you would buy either of those guys or tell me you know why you would sell them I just think that there's it's just going to be too hard I just I understand the talent but I just see people drafting this guy way too high I mean they have him going in like the top 10 I just I, I can't do it just can't do it top 10 receivers is too high. Um, I, I've struggled with Godwin a little bit because I just, I loved what he did last year. I, I wanted my hands in him. I, I was in a draft in my home league where it was round three. I had to pick between Mahomes and Godwin. And if I could do it all over again, I wish I would have taken Godwin last year instead of Mahomes because of the injuries Mahomes dealt with. Um, but anyways, you know, you know, that kind of it brings me back to a couple months ago, and you have to go back to the day Tom Brady signed with Tampa Bay to kind of say, where did I start my thought process and handicapping on Chris Godwin as a fantasy asset? And I think at the beginning you looked at like, okay, well, 
Brady can't really throw successfully deep anymore. So how is Mike Evans really going to benefit from Brady being that offense? Okay, so the underneath routes, the slant routes, the crossing routes, that's all Chris Godwin territory right there. So I'm like, yeah, Chris Godwin, top 10. Oh, he, he's going to outproduce Mike, Mike Evans easily. But then you start to wonder, can either of these guys really be wide receiver ones this season? And will the Bucks sling it around like they did last year? And frankly, the opportunities that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans got because of all the interceptions that Jameis Winston threw, all the pick sixes. Look, when you're when you're playing fantasy, if you've got a receiver and his quarterback throws a pick six, that, that's gold because they're getting the ball right back and they're going to be trailing and they're going to have to throw more. So pick sixes by your quarterback, if you've got those receivers in fantasy, you're loving it because you know they're going to get more, more opportunities immediately in that situation. So I think we kind of, um, you know, I, I think we definitely understate the amount of value that was added to Godwin and Evans because of all the YOLO balls that James Winston was throwing and Tom Brady's not going to do it. I mean, I'm not saying that he's washed, uh, but he's going to definitely limit the turnovers. He's going to limit the pick sixes. He's going to limit the interceptions in general. And um, I, I got Godwin at wide receiver 14 right now, right between Hopkins and Calvin Ridley. But you start to feel how you re- you start to kind of tell how you really feel about certain players because I was in a mock draft the other day and all three of those wide receivers were on the board and I took Calvin Ridley. So I've got to move around my rankings a little bit to reflect my really what am I really acting on as opposed to what I'm thinking on when I'm doing these rankings. Um, so Chris Godwin's struggling to stay in the top 15 for, for me right now. Right now, It's kind of a long-winded way of saying that. Well, let me give you a guy that I actually have in my top 15. A lot of people will probably be against. And I might catch some flack for this, and then I might not. I might get a, bu- a bunch of praise. But this is a guy that I think that was in a situation last year that evidently everything just went completely wrong, and that was for Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm high on Schuster. He's one of the best receivers in the league. We've seen what he can do. I mean, there were times where – you know, people were just jumping all over and taking him, and, and he was, you know, going ahead and delivering. So uh, I don't understand the the dislike for Juju this year. I think with Big Ben back, a year where Juju can, you know, go get himself healthy, that offense was just a mess. I mean, what the hell was going on there in Pittsburgh where you can go ahead and, and look at a guy this year coming in this year and completely just downgrade the guy, you know, like he's not like a top 10 wide receiver in the league. I think he is, and that's where I would be, you know, looking to go ahead and target him. I see some people taking him like 40s and 50s, you know, and it just, I don't know, I, like I could see him being, you know, a, a top 10 receiver. I'll let you talk to me about that because I get a little salty that, that with specific individuals when it comes to Juju. But tell me what you think about him overall. Well, yeah, Sleepy, I'm not going to argue with you at all on that one. I've got Juju Smith-Schuster as my wide receiver 10 overall. He, he's at the top of tier four, so ahead of guys like Amari Cooper. He's ahead of DJ Shark, who we mentioned as a buy earlier. But the, the market is caught up, and the market is is still pretty high on Juju now. I mean, look, if you're in a, if you're in a draft and he's he's going in the he's available in the fourth round, and you can get him as either your wide receiver one or a really high end wide receiver two, by all means, jump on it and take that value right there. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's all about like good juju, good luck, bad juju, bad luck, because he was my first round pick last year. I took him in the first round last year, but obviously, you know, the whole offense was, was a waste once big Ben went down, unfortunately. And, uh, that, that recency bias could definitely cloud the minds of some salty, bitter fantasy owners. I'm not going to let it happen to me. If I get a chance to take him, you know, and he provides that value to me and he fall falls to where I want him, maybe in round three, round four. 
I'm definitely taking him. Um, I think the upside is still there. And the thing I like the most about that situation is the, the emergence of Deontay Johnson as a rookie last year and giving Big Ben a real respectable deep threat down the field. That's going to keep those intermediate routes and those slot routes open for Juju. So the defenses won't specifically focus on him. And that's what he needs. He just needs that other counterpart to be able to, you know, relieve some of that pressure, take away the shadow coverage. And then he can really eat up that one-on-one coverage on the linebackers on the middle of the field. So I'm, I'm also very bullish on Juju. Um, the only guys I got ahead of him in tier three, we talked about AJ Brown already, Adam Thielen. I would uh, slightly rank a little higher than Juju, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson. Then you get into the top five. So I think Juju's got top five, top 10 potential. I got him at wide receiver 10. Uh, I, I really love his upside this season. Yeah. I think there's a number of guys that, that you just mentioned that I wouldn't have in front of Juju. I don't think Allen Robinson would probably go or Thielen, but again, we're, you know, it's apples and oranges when you get to those guys in each individual situation. But uh, I'm kind of glad that you you agree with me that Juju isn't, you know, falling off the uh, – he's falling off the mountain like some people think. I mean, that dude's going to tear it up this year. I don't care what anybody really says. But um, I know I, I – you can see talent when, when – I saw the talent when the kid was in college. And then I saw what it was when he went to Pittsburgh. And there's a reason why Antonio Brown was extremely salty when he was in Pittsburgh because there was a guy that was starting to take the spotlight away because he was, you know, really freaking good. So big Ben coming back and Juju, those guys are going to be, they're going to be a lethal connection this year. I think in fantasy, Juju's going to light it up. Let's jump over to another guy who has made a lot of noise, you know, throughout the off season. And you just talked about one of his buddies there, Adam Thielen. Why don't we talk about Stefan Diggs? Now he's going to go to the Buffalo bills. He's going to have a quarterback in Josh Allen who, you know, at times it's you cannot depend on that guy to go ahead and throw. I see Diggs, you know, being taken as, you know, maybe like the 25th wide receiver. I'm not even sure I would even draft Diggs this year. That's just kind of the way that I feel. Tell me what you think about Diggs and if he's even draftable this season. Yeah, I'd have to second that, Sleepy. And, and th- this is the whole point of the rankings and, and the tiers, right? We have the tiers because we're like, hey, here, here's guys that we have ranked between wide receiver 20 and 30. But in all essence, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you took the guy ranked 29 over the guy ranked 21 because it's you're really, pick, you're really nitpicking at that point. And there's some guys in certain tiers that I'm just not drafting because I don't, I don't want to be high on the market when it comes to them. I, I want to be lower than the market is on Stefan Diggs. And right now the market has him at ECR wide receiver 27. I've got him at wide receiver 31. Um, so maybe I'm not even as low as I should be on Diggs because the, the volatility of Josh Allen uh, in, in that offense, and not to mention it's a run-first offense, it's a defensive-oriented team, defensive-minded coach. Um, I think he will have those – he's going to have those like monster weeks where he's going to break off a 90-yard touchdown. He might have 180 yards and three touchdowns in a game. And then the next week he might have one catch for 20 yards. That's the volatility. And you talk about DFS with some of these guys. You pick and choose the right spots with Stephon Diggs. He can completely break open a slate and win you a lot of money in GPPs. Um, but not in season-long fantasy, way too much up-and-down risk. They still got John Brown, who was a very good receiver last year, assuming he stays healthy. 
and uh, doesn't opt out because of some of his health concerns in regards to COVID. But by, by all indications, John Brown is playing. So I really like the the dual do, uh, deep threats that Josh Allen has with Diggs and Brown. But um, no, I'm not trying to take Diggs. I, I'm, I don't want any parts of that passing offense. If anything, I want Josh Allen because Josh Allen's going to run the ball a lot. He's going to vulture those goal line touches, score touchdowns everywhere in the field. But I don't want anyone he's connected throwing the ball to in fantasy. All right, so why don't we go to a guy that probably nobody's talking about. But this is a team that really nobody's talking about. And I don't think anybody knows what the hell is going to happen, you know, with the New York Jets this season. I think that's an offense that there might be one key guy that you could probably go ahead and be like, all right, I'm going to take a shot with this guy. And you're going to end up getting a hold of him later. And he's going to end up being a guy that, you know, it always turns out where you're plugging in somebody that you never thought that that you'd be plugging in and it's like this dude's, you know, developing and, and he's producing each and every week. Any clue if Denzel Mims is going to work out for this team? Because I think the Jets, like, they're going to end up finding themselves down in games this year. I'm not very high on their defense at all. But I like the fact that the Patriots are going to – I don't know what they're going to do. I, I just don't – I don't think you're going to see it. It's the same defensive intensity from that team. You know, Miami's defense is, you know, below average. I understand the Bills is, is really good. But – you know, the Jets had a tough schedule last year. I think their schedule this year will be a little bit better. I'm just curious, like, who's going to be the breakout guy for that for that Jets wide receiver core? And my gut feeling says that it might be a guy like Mims. I don't know why. I just have that gut feeling. He might be, like, a real good sleeper that, you know, if you could get a hold of him really, really late, maybe take a shot at him. Yeah, I, I, I like Mims as a prospect, but not this year, not in a COVID-shortened offseason, not with Adam Gase, who has really shown a reluctance to kind of like let the rookies kind of play off the leash. And uh, it, it's just not happening, man. Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, just that that whole team is, is just looking abysmal for 2020. I mean, I, I – I heard a uh, pregame hitman uh, give out quite a few uh, best bets on taking the Jets season win total under. I fired quite a few times on that. And that kind of all goes to say that I think it's just going to be a mess on offense and on defense. And th- this isn't even a team where you can say, oh, negative game script. Oh, trailing. Oh, passing. But c- can they can they even produce in junk time? And the one guy that if I am going to take a mid to late round dart throw on it's going to be the guy who was a top five wide receiver in the last month of last year, and that's Brashad Perriman. And they brought him in on a one-year deal. And look, Brashad Perriman is a former high draft pick, so he has the capital, just never really capitalized on it. But he flashed in Tampa last year. And look, I'm going to give you a stat on Brashad Perriman. I'm turning this into a Brashad Perriman take. Over the past two seasons, among wide receivers with at least 75 targets, Brashad Perriman is number two in yards per catch, number five in yards per target. He has eight touchdowns on 52 catches. That's a 15.4% touchdown rate. And Sleepy, on his last 94 targets, Brashad Perriman has dropped one pass. I think he could be the real breakout candidate on the Jets. He's a sleeper that I'm targeting. The more and more we hear things out of training camp that Mims is struggling to acclimate, and might not even be starting in, in three wide receiver sets. I'm starting to really warm up to the idea of taking Brashad Perriman, and he could be a solid wide receiver too for the season. What if Crowder could stay healthy? I mean, that dude. I mean, he he gobbles up targets. I mean, he had a really good end of the year where he ended up. You know, I think he scored like I don't know, maybe it was like four or five games in a row. 
I understand Mims is is a tough is a tough, but I'm I'm just trying to talk through the Jets in general because I I have a gut feeling that there's going to be a guy there that just he pops up and you'll be like, "Ooh, I'm glad I took that guy." You know, do you think it could be Crowder, or do you, or are you just like dead set sold that you know Perriman might be might be the guy to get the uh, the bulk of the lion's share there? Yeah, I, I think it can be both because I think that the, the, those are the two like they, they kind of complement each other's games because Perriman's going to be that take take the top off the defense, deep speed, physical threat, right? He's he's a very talented with his physical traits, but. Jamison Crowder is the guy that just go, goes under the middle. I mean, week one last year against the Bills, he had 14 catches for 99 yards, right? I mean, who gets 14 catches in a game? That That's that's what Crowder can do. Like, he's like the, the most safest of floor guys you can get. Um, he had a little volatility, though, in certain games last year because, you know, you just can't really rely on Sam Darnold much to, to give wide receivers consistent production in fantasy. So, I do like Jamison Crowder. I think he's a decent mid-round type of target. He offers a safe floor in PPR most weeks. I think he can be a decent wide receiver three on your roster if you start three receivers in your starting lineup. Uh, maybe a decent flex or backup flex. Um, I like the guy a lot. Um, yeah, it just really scares me to have any of my starting lineup guys attached to Sam Darnold's arm and attached to Adam Gase's offense. And for that reason... Um, I, 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 I'm okay with Crowder. He's fine. Uh, Prayerman's the upside guy to me. So if I'm taking a, a, a late round kind of dart throw type of type, type of shot, I'm taking it at Perriman. What do you think about, I want to jump over to the Ravens. What do you think about Lamar Jackson? You know, maybe not running as much as he did last year. I understand he needed to break into the league. He needed to cause a lot of problems, but you know, everything that I've heard, is, you know, Jackson's really trying to go ahead and become a whole hell of a lot better of a passer, and you need to have that. You can't just have that guy out there running around. He's going to get clipped one time. Uh, No matter how fast and elusive he is, he's going to get nailed one time. There's going to be a guy when he makes a cut that he doesn't see, and he's going to get blindsided, and more than likely he's going to end up getting knocked out of a game with a concussion, which, you know, you don't want to see that. One of the guys I was really high on last year was Marquise Brown. Now, I see people, you know, talking about not even drafting him, but somewhere – you know, you have to go ahead and, and, and target, you know, I think a Ravens wide receiver, you know, if we're not going to do it for season long, we're going to do it in daily. But what do you think about like a guy like a like a Marquise Brown or any of those Raven wide receivers or any of those guys? You know, are they on your on your list right now to be looked at? It's uh, it's it's Mark Andrews or pass for me because he's the only guy that's shown a real consistent rapport with Lamar Jackson. And he kind of fits what Lamar Jackson can do, which is give you that big body you know, open downfield threat over the middle of the field. He can also go deep too. Whereas Marquise Brown, you got to hit him in stride and you're hitting him deep. And I'm just not confident yet in Lamar Jackson's accuracy on down the field throws. So like, he's obviously going to create a lot of just open passing opportunities just with his legs alone, scrambling and people just respecting his rushing ability is going to lead to more open receivers in general. Um, but if you take away Marquise Brown's week one, four touchdown performance last year against the Dolphins, uh, he wasn't winning your weeks. You know, he had he had a one or two maybe decent spike weeks where he had like 50 yards and two touchdowns, but he's not giving you the yards. He's not giving you the targets. Uh, I understand like the breakout hype for him this year in, in terms of like he's a talented player, but I, I don't buy that like Lamar Jackson can consistently uh, – give good fantasy output to wide receivers. The only guy that, that I would buy in that situation, again, is Mark Andrews. 
I'm a little bit scared on the Mark Andrews side. All indications he's good to go, but he does have diabetes. And I don't know if that could lead to a potential, you know, COVID situation where something, a scare happens and he opts out at at late, you know, or or something happens. I I don't know. I haven't gotten too into the weeds with that yet, but I have heard a few respectable fantasy analysts bring up certain health factors for certain players. And he's on that short list, but uh, guy's a hell of a talent could easily be one of the top two or three tight ends in this league. But uh, I'm, I'm passing on Marquise Brown. I love the talent. Definitely in DFS against a soft secondary that Lamar could torch. Definitely could win you a week in DFS for sure, but I'm passing in season long. What about a guy like Terry McLaurin? Obviously, he's been, you know, a guy that I have a feeling he might be targeted maybe a little too high this year. Do you think that there's any chance that, you know, Haskins turns around and, you know, let's just say he's he's a an average quarterback. I mean, last year he was well below. But what if what if Haskins actually becomes a better quarterback? You know, is a guy like McLaurin is is that a reach this year to go ahead and 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 pick him up and stick him in maybe you know your deeper fantasy leagues? Yeah, that's tough because he's going pretty high, like you said. He he's I I'm pretty much on par with consensus with McLaurin. Like the guy, I mean, if he had a better quarterback, like he would be borderline top ten receiver going off the board. Like he he was the best rookie receiver hands down last year. I mean, I know Metcalf is like the physical freak, but McLaurin's like the wide receiver supreme. The guy does it with his hands, with his route running, with his physicality. And when um, when Case Keenum was back there, like Terry McLaurin was tearing it up. And when Haskins got put in as a starter, Terry McLaurin went downhill in a hurry. And he might have had like one good game out of seven or eight weeks after Haskins became the starter. And that's what really scares me, man. Like, I love the idea of McLaurin breaking out and being a top 10 guy in his second year, but can we really buy that Haskins is going to be a good quarterback? Uh, with Ron Rivera coming to town, I, lo- I like Rivera, but he's a defensive-minded, you know, you know, nose to the grindstone type of, you know, he likes he likes running the ball, he likes playing, you know, controlling the clock. Uh, how much is he going to really want Haskins out there, you know, slinging it? And I think that could really cap McLaurin's upside and even though they played college football together, they were teammates at Ohio State, McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins. I I just don't see enough out of Haskins to take McLaurin. I, 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 I got to have him fall like five, ten spots past his ADP right now to be interested and like feel safe of taking him. I think he'd have to be my wide receiver three at, at this point to feel good about that. I feel pretty confident, though, that, that I'll end up falling on him you know, throughout the weeks or something like that. I don't know. He's a guy maybe I would I would look at for a season long. I just have a feeling that the upside there and the potential, you know, is is being looked at in a negative one because of the coach, two because of the quarterback, three because they just stink. But I mean, maybe if that defense was a little maybe if that defense was was actually like terrible, because I, I actually think the Redskins defense is is what keeps them in games. But yeah, if that defense was a little bit worse, maybe maybe you can go ahead and take a shot. At a guy like McLaurin. Yeah, having said all that too, Sleepy, like is like I've got McLaurin ranked nineteenth. So like he is a wide low end wide receiver too in my rankings. I'm just like when that kind of like moment of truth comes and he's like on on the board and you have options like Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, I'm like, ooh, I need to change my rankings because I'm pretty sure I'm almost always gonna be taking Lockett and Metcalf, those types of guys over in McLaurin. So I love McLaurin. I'm I'm just a little scared right now. I'm a little scared of Haskins, so we'll we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. 
Well, the th- four guys I got actually behind him is is uh, I have Sutton, I have Woods, I have Ridley, which I know you're kind of high in Ridley, and Allen Robinson's back there too. So those are the guys that I have McLaurin in front of. Let's do one more guy. Actually talked about the quarterback quite a bit, Tyrod Taylor. Do you think Keenan Allen is a guy that we can target this year? I mean, we know that he had such a relationship with Phillip Rivers. Do you think that we see the, the same target share that, that he had you know, in years past, is that, you know, does Tyrod going to look at him as like his safety blanket? Like, like I could throw it to him 15 times a game. Like, you know, you're going to get the catches from Allen, but is his production going to drop this year from, you know, what it has been in the past? A couple of questions you asked right there. And there's a couple of no's and a couple of yeses. And yes, in terms of being a security blanket, he's that talented. He, he's you know, arguably the league's best route runner, right? And he's, he's always complaining about his Madden rating because he's, He's not really the most athletic guy, but he's got the hands. He's got the slick route running. I love Keenan Allen. He's one of my favorite receivers in the league just as a fan, right? Um, but as much as I love Tyrod Taylor, his fantasy production comes a lot from running. And he's going to be working with the running backs a lot and with dumping off passes to backs out of the flats. And I think that takes away a little bit. I think you're going from a guy in Phillip Rivers who's on average going to be throwing 30 to 40 passes a game to a guy like Tyrod, game manager, limiting turnovers, like we talked about with Brady, obviously without the rushing side of things, that's um, you know not going to give Keenan Allen as much opportunity to thrive and hit his ceiling like we would want in a guy like Philip Rivers. Who, I mean, Philip Rivers was like a Jameis Winston light, like he was just throwing, chucking up balls, like letting DBs pick them off left and right last season. So that's going to hurt Keenan Allen's ceiling. Um, so I'm more, I'm more likely to buy like a Tyrod Taylor stacked with an Austin Eckler because they're going to run the ball well in Los Angeles and, you know, Tyrod's going to use the safety blanket in the running backs. And yeah, Keenan Allen's going to have a nice, I think, safe floor of targets. I just don't think he's going to really hit that ceiling. So I'm kind of close to ECR, which has him at wide receiver 22. I've got him a little bit lower, a wide receiver 26. Um, and, and sleepy, man, I, I think so much about these rankings and who I'm drafting and who I'm taking in my mocks and in my home leagues. Like I had, a, I, I have dreams about fantasy players. I don't know if this happens to you with your handicapping or some of the guys you're making picks on, but I, I had a dream last night where uh, Tyrod Tyra Taylor made Hunter Henry, like one of the top five tight ends in the league. And I was like kicking myself for not drafting Hunter Henry. So I'm kind of like foreseeing things playing out in my head and, Keenan Allen doesn't seem to be a part of that uh, part of that picture right now. So, not saying I'm a pick, I'm envisioning the future or anything here, but I think like tight ends, running backs, like those are the kind of guys that I think Tyrod's uh, uh, passing skill set kind of gravitates to more than uh, a slot middle of the field type of guy in Keenan Allen. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you with that either. I mean, you can go back to when Tyrod played with Buffalo. I mean, I think he was pretty heavily involved with their tight end. I think at the time maybe it was Clay. So. Yeah, I think Allen's just a guy that, that I'm just questionable on. Like maybe it was like, you know, you you know, you ate with a guy like that, you know, year after year. And maybe this is a year where you gotta go ahead and take a step back. And then I guess, you know, it's not that you can, you know, maybe you could eat this year, you know, maybe you could have a feast with a guy like that because it's like, you know, I, I don't have anybody else to throw the ball to. Like this dude's, you know, old reliable, you know, getting sixteen targets a game or something crazy where he's getting eleven, twelve catches. So um, I think you just don't, you know, you don't want to miss out on a guy like that. So I'm glad we're talking about that. You know, we talked about, I want you to explain your, your, your love affair with Allen Robinson. 
if they're going to start Trubisky, I can't take a wide receiver on that team. If they start Foles, then I can understand. And I think Trubisky, what he's going to end up doing if he does start is he's going to sour anybody that that has any Bears wide receivers are going to be dumping them. And I also think, you know, you have a, you have a Cohen, you know, you have um, what the hell's the other guy's name? Um, Anthony Miller. He, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think Trubisky likes him. I think Foles will actually like a guy like Miller, a uh, big, tall wide receiver. I don't know if Foles, you know, fits into, you know, an Allen Robinson or Trubisky fits into, you know, an Allen Robinson type guy. I mean, we've seen Foles in, in, in years past, you know, with, with the teams that he's played with. You know, he likes those big, tall wide receivers like a, like a DJ Chark we talked about before. I mean, Foles and him were, you know, they, they had a pretty good relationship. So I don't know. I don't know what your love affair here is with, with Allen Robinson, but I would be very, very – I would be very, very cautious taking a guy like him. And and I've seen in some drafts that they have, you know, him in front of like Juju and him in front of AJ Brown and Ridley. And it's like, I don't know, dude, like I need to depend on a quarterback that, that could at least throw the ball. And I'm not sitting back waiting for the guy who can throw to come in the game until this guy stinks to join up. And it's like, I just don't know if I could draft any Chicago bears right now. You know, if I could take Khalil Mack, I'd be all right with that. But I, just, I can't take a diff, I can't take an offensive player off that team right now. Yeah, and like my optimism on Allen Robinson is is a lot centered around just his talent in general. He, he, this guy's had literally the wor- worst luck at having quarterbacks throw the ball to him. He had Blake Bortles in Jacksonville, and then comes to the Bears and has Trubisky. So I kind of feel sorry for him. But look, last year he was the wide receiver seven in total fantasy points PPR per game. So he did it with totally abysmal quarterback play. And a a little bit of my optimism there is I have him, I believe, right now at wide receiver six. And that's one spot higher than what he did last year. And and the the optimism remains because I I do believe that Nick Foles will be the starter there. And if, if Trubisky plays well enough to keep the job, and look, worst case scenario is they both play like shit and, and it just tanks the value of the offense as a whole, right? Because Foles did not look good in Jacksonville when he took over for Minshew for those few weeks. So I don't have much faith in Foles. I'm, I'm hoping Foles goes back to those uh, glory days with the Eagles and stuff. stuff. But I think Allen Robinson's just shown consistently year in and year out that he can withstand extremely bad quarterback play. Um, so... I've got him one spot higher than what he produced last season. I've got him six. Last year he produced as the wide receiver seven overall. Um, let's see how this quarterback battle shakes out, and let's kind of see, you know, you know how how the Bears open up the season with because, you know, he's he's the number one guy, and they could be trailing a lot, and you know they might not be winning too many games. So th- those kind of things are the recipe of guys that I like to look at, like a DJ Shark, like we talked about. Um, so for those reasons, that's why I have Allen Robinson there, but I'm kind of really not giving you too much of an argument and pushing, pushing back on what you're saying though. Well, yeah, I think one of the big concerns you have to have for a guy like that is that when you have a quarterback who quite frankly, he can't throw the ball. And then you have another quarterback who is coming into a completely different offense and Allen, you know, Robinson's had his, you know, he's had his injury concerns over the years. And if Foles is, is coming in as a new quarterback trying to learn a new offense and they're really trying to get Trubisky, you know, to go ahead and not, you know, blow up in their faces and make them all look like idiots. I just have a concern that, 
Noah Foles does become the quarterback, that he might not have gotten a whole hell of a lot of work with a guy like Robinson. You know, you could certainly draft him in some deeper leagues, and maybe you keep him on the shelf for a little while and just keep him hidden, and then you break him out when you see maybe that Foles and him have some type of a relationship. So that's just one thing I was thinking about because I I, I always find myself on Bears wide receivers because generally they're dirt cheap. You know, in DFS, usually you get them dirt cheap, and and it's like, all right, well, you know, this dude has a chance to go off tonight. And, you know, Trubisky can't throw to the left side of the field. And it's like, if I can get Robinson over there, you know, I, I might make out all right. So just thinking, you know, sneaky, sneaky type stuff. Why don't we jump over to one more guy? And this is a guy that, that I need you to kind of expand on because I was high on him. And then I hear people that are extremely low on him. But I think he's going to have kind of a, I guess you could say his, his second breakout year. And that's Kenny Galladay from the Lions. Stafford will probably be back and he'll probably be, you know, 100%. I mean, he was injured. He had a lot of issues with his wife. But, I mean, I was high on Galladay when he came in. He produced and then he kind of just fell off a little bit there. Obviously, you know, there were, you know, a lot of things going on in, in Detroit. But what do you think about Galladay? you think that he's a guy that you could take this year? I love Kenny Galladay and, and I've got him one spot behind Allen Robinson. And look, a, a lot of these conversations that we're having, you know, the more time we spend kind of analyzing how these quarterback battles are playing out, whether it's Trubisky versus Foles, what's the news coming out of training camp, what are these conversations kind of playing out in our head as we're discussing on a podcast or off the air? And for those reasons alone, you know, I, I might move Allen Robinson down a few spots. I might move Kenny Galladay up one or two spots. Uh, ECR number eight, I've got him ECR number seven. So the market is already very high on Kenny Galladay right now. So you're not getting him at a discount, but I wouldn't blame you if you took him. I did an FFPC online draft a few weeks ago, and I somehow wound up in the third round with Kenny Galladay still on the board. And I had Kenyon Drake and Devontae Adams. And I was like, I'm going to get Kenny Galladay as my second receiver Give me, give me that all day. So I, I love Galladay's upside. Obviously, with, if Stafford stays healthy, and they, they were they were putting up some ridiculous number, r- ridiculous numbers in their passing game last year before he went down. So uh, love the talent. The upside is there. Um, you know, Stafford. It's all about Stafford. Same, same, same kind of handicap and, and and analysis with Juju. It's it really it's really up to the quarterback to stay healthy because. You know, if we're if we're going back to a Jeff, uh, Jeff Driscoll, if we're going back to a Mason Rudolph, then the whole season falls apart, and they're going to be borderline wide receiver two, fringe flex plays at best. So, yeah, you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks, but in reality, these two quarterbacks, they're comeback player of the year candidates for a reason. It's because they were so hurt last year. We hope they both bounce back. So, the, 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 I, I love Galladay. I love Juju. I think they're both similar in that sense, and. Um, I think I'm moving Galladay ahead of Robinson after this chat. So, so you got to get, get you got to give me some credit on that one, man. I do, and I think one of the things that we, you know, that we identify at least on our podcast, and that that you and I certainly identify, you know, throughout the years that we do, you know, fantasy, is that you know the experts are going to have a guy exactly where he should be, and he's going to be a safe pick. And a lot of times, what a lot of people like to do in fantasy is. They try to get that sneaky guy. They try to get that sleeper guy. And it's like, oh, this guy's going to be sneaky. And this guy's going to be, you know, some. It, it doesn't hurt you all the time to go ahead and draft the guy where he's supposed to be because that's exactly where he's supposed to be. And I think you having Galladay um, actually behind Robinson is a bit of a mistake. But I like where you actually have him in your wide receiver rankings. I think he kind of belongs there. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the year out, you know, with more yardage 
than than Evans or Godwin or maybe even uh, maybe even Hopkins. You never know. I think he's that good, and I think a healthy Stafford, you know, will will really really go ahead and, and boost that guy up this year. And I think a lot of people will be happy, you know, that they took him. Well, I am sure we're probably going to end up circling back, Chris, to some wide receivers when we jump into our tight ends because as we've you know talked about the wide receivers throughout this podcast you know it it seemed like you and i wanted to touch on tight ends as well and we we did kind of mix them in so we'll probably end up you know finding a couple more of those wide receivers to talk when we go ahead and talk about the tight ends which will be coming up here in our next podcast but that'll wrap up the wide receivers for our fantasy stuff chris as always kicking ass and uh taking names with that said, I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. That's Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Mad Journalist. That's M A D D Journalist. And you can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck today. Enjoy the games. <laughs>